This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome in Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Schlerth alongside Mike Evans, Millennial Bim, producing the show. Um, want to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner, Bet with Bet Rivers. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm great. I'm anxiously watching what's uh, going on in Buffalo with the right. uh, what, now. What's it called again? A snow tornado oh, called, or no, thunder snow? Oh, thunder snow. Thunder snow. I've never heard of. Th- I grew up in Alaska. I've never heard of thunder snow. But we don't have the lake effect snow, right? You grew up in that area. Yeah. Well, I went to Syracuse for four years, so I'm definitely familiar with lake effect. I never heard it called thunder snow. Oh, thunder, thunder snow. snow is much cooler than lake effect. Right. Lake effect thunder snow is like when when a blizzard and lake effect snow make a baby. Then it becomes thunder snow. Right. That's, but thunder snow sounds thought. just, can't you just hear the big voice announcer? Thunder snow. Yes. We'll sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Thunder yeah. snow. Right. I love the thunder snow. <laughs> it's like my exos thunder cloud. Do you ever, you guys, I know, I know there was a famous uh, thunder uh, th- snowstorm here in Denver. Yeah. That um, affected you guys to try to, I think, to go to Buffalo, if I'm not correct. mistaken, right? Well, correct. We had thundersnow. Yeah, we had thundersnow. That was in 1997 on our su- first Super Bowl run. So we got, we got. It was in September, wasn't it? Like no, early? no. It was, I think it was October. Oh, was it? Okay. But we were practicing Friday. I'll never forget it. Friday afternoon, um, we were practicing and it, and it started snowing. And then it was snowing all day Saturday, um, you know, all day, all night, Friday night. And then Saturday, we got to come into the facility. And normally we come into like at the facility or meetings are at nine o'clock, right? And you come in and, and you get there and then you go through a walkthrough and you go through your film. And then it's, you know, shower and head to the bus and head to the airport. So I'm like, I, I'll never forget. I wake up and Tommy Nalen calls me and goes, hey, dude, can you pick me up, man? I can't drive through this. I, I can't even get out of my apartment complex. And I was like, absolutely, I'll be there in, you know, 20 minutes. So I come barreling down my street. I get out of my garage. I come barreling down my street. I mean, it's, we're just snowed in. And, you know, between the houses, there's a, a big drift. And you can't see because it it's a complete whiteout. And I hit that drift, and it went over my windshield. My car was buried, like completely buried. And it took me, like, two hours to shovel my car out. And I'm like, there's, like... And so we're calling now. Everybody's like, everybody's like all these text change and all these calls going on. Basically like, hey, man, get here when you can. And anybody that needs help. So we had like, we had people that lived up. There's a, a neighborhood in Denver called Shenango. And it's kind of this acreage type of neighborhood. And, um, and you know, everybody's on two acres or three acres or whatever it is. And um, <laughs> we... We like are sending snow machines, people in snow machines, um, to go pick up like Steve Atwater. Some fan picked them up on a snow machine. I think Jason Elam too, our kicker, and drove them to the practice facility down the streets on snow machines. Like this is how it was going. So we finally get everybody to the facility. Um, 
I don't know, like eight, nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Eight o'clock at night. Normally you'd leave around when? Noon. Yeah. So we get in, like we get in, we're we bussing. Like we, they're the only people in the streets, right? We're bussing to the airport and we pull up because you always pulled up on the tarmac and we always flew United. And it was right when they were making all the color changes, the, the, the logo changes on the United flights. And so they had the old United had like a, it was like a white fuselage with an orange and, and like royal blue swoosh, you know, going up all the way up to the tail. And then they had the new kind of gray and dark blue. So we're ro- rolling down, we're rolling down and uh, through the tarmac and all these planes. And you could see all the people in the airport that are stuck in the airport just with their face up against the windshield. Like, what are they, what's going on? Like, why are there buses on the tarmac? So we pass all these new United Jets that are, you know, new, newly painted and look really sharp and stuff. And we pull up the one, just the only old one there out there. And I'm like, I was like, there's no way they're going down on on one of their new jets. Like we're taking, <laughs> we're taking with the jalopy to Buffalo. Contact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we get on this, we get loaded on there. It's probably 10 o'clock at night, 10:30 at night, and we fly to Buffalo. And so we get in, like we get in, checked in the hotel at 1:30. And so the Broncos call the league and say, hey, can we move it from a 1 o'clock game just to a 4? We're not asking to move the game to another day, just to a 4 o'clock fight, flight so we can sleep in. And, and the league goes, nope. So we roll in at like 1.30 in the morning. And, you know, and, and we got pregame. Like pregame is at 8 a.m. And so we, I mean, we rolled down there and ended up playing a, a bu- Buffalo in overtime. and ended up going to overtime. And uh, TD had over 200 yards rushing and, um, you know, it was, it was a great game, but man, it was a, it was a really, you know, you look back on it, man, it was a really cool kind of time to be together. You know, it really, it was just awesome that way. Do you guys win? Of course we won. <laughs> of course we won. Neither rain nor sleet nor snow nor whatever. We'll stop the Denver Broncos from their appointed rounds on right. what would turn out to be a Super Bowl year. Uh, all right, let's get into, uh, some teams, a lot of stuff. I just want to jump around. Uh, jump around, jump yeah. around. Did Green Bay figure it out? Did they not only save their season, but did they they stumble upon a formula that you yeah. think they'll be able to uh, they to gave, win? They, they gave themselves a, a chance, Mike. They gave themselves a chance to figure it out. And, you know, they ran the heck out of the ball. I think Rodgers only threw it like 20 times. I mean, he had a really, really low total. Um, Watson had four catches, but three of them for touchdowns. And I've told you this before, like one of the big issues with Aaron Rodgers is losing Devontae Adams. He lost his go-to guy in critical situations. So one of the transitions um, under the new coaching staff was let the scheme take you where it takes you on first and second down, and you pick out your favorite target on third down and go go find a great matchup, right? Go find something you like. And that third down target was always Devontae Adams. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to Devontae Adams. He just hasn't had a guy that he felt comfortable with, you know, and he hasn't established a guy. So I would tell you this. They run the ball like that, and if Christian Watson can become that go-to guy for him, that guy that he has faith in, that guy that can, you know, beat double coverage, that, like that guy that you can count on in, in second down and long or third down and long situations, they may have figured something out. Now, you look at their schedule the rest of the way. And their schedule, I think, is pretty brutal. Um, but, damn, you got Aaron Rodgers. And like I said, you start running it with Jones and you start running, what's the other guy's name, Dylan? Like, they got, they got a chance. 
They got a chance to. I'm not. They're not going to overtake Minnesota for the division. Minnesota sitting at eight and one right now. They're, but could they sneak into a wild card berth? Absolutely. Do you buy Minnesota? I saw this the other day. The Minnesota Vikings may be the worst eight and one team in history. That they took a look at uh, all the eight and one teams in the NFL, and the Vikings have the second worst point differential of any eight and one team of all the eight and one teams. Uh-huh. So the idea being that hey, they've they've been in a lot of close games, they've won a lot of close games, but they've been kind of lucky, and it would have been very easy for these one score close games to easily go the other way, and could still go the other way. You know, what my dad used to say to me all the time when I was a kid. Stop going outside naked. No, no. He's, You're embarrassing the neighbors. He would say all the time, anytime I would bring up lucky, that kid got lucky, or that was lucky, or this was lucky, my dad would stop me in my tracks. It's indelibly marked on my soul. Luck has a smell of perspiration. You know what I know they're doing? And they're doing it better than anybody else? Talking, coaching, meeting, spending Enormous amounts of time on situational football. They they preach it constantly. And they not only preach it, Mike, they practice it. Here's a situation that we may find ourselves in. Fourth quarter. Here's a situation at the end of half. They constantly work on it. They have got a coach. His job, his entire job is to sit up in the booth and talk to Kevin O'Connell about game situations. Where are we? Hey, man, if we break the 45, that's two down territory for us in this drive. So make sure, like the Broncos, I'm watching the Broncos, I'm prepping for Broncos Raiders. And I'm watching the Broncos, um, I'm watching the Broncos in Jacksonville. They get a delay of the game on a punt. On a freaking punt, Mike. And I'm thinking like, you know you're not in two-down territory on that third and one because you're from your own 30 or whatever. So what's the what's the confusion on the sideline about? Were you thinking about going for it there? Or did you end at third and one and go, man, we're only a couple inches away. We got to be able to get this, right? Should we go for it? And, you know, I'm, uh, do you think we should go? Do I, do I think Dude, that decision has to be made before you, before you run your third-down freaking play? It's got to be made. What are you doing? What are you guys doing? Minnesota works on that like it's their job. And they've gotten buy-in. The buy-in, and I talked to Kirk Cousins about this. I said, hey, man, I watched you on your first touchdown drive. You threw two balls away. And I go, as I've studied your film, you've thrown a ton of balls away. Like, what's the situation with the story? And, And Kirk Cousins goes, you're very observant. He goes, I think I lead the league in throwaways which he does, and he goes, we have, it's just been preached to us kind of like, would you rather have great stats and lose close games or would you ever have good stats and win close games? And so you can sit there and say, well, they're not as talented. They've been incredibly healthy. Their offensive line has been intact. Their backs have been intact. Their receiving core has been intact. They made a trade for TJ Hawkinson. And defensively, they've installed a new system, but they got some – Dalvin Tomlinson is a player. Uh, Donnell Hunter can flat-out play. Zadarius Smith is a player. Eric Kendricks is a player. 
I mean, come on. Like, they have got Patrick Peterson can still plays playing at a really high level. Um, what's the the Harrison Smith? I mean, dude, they've got they've got star talent all over the football field. They're winning close games because you know what? They're playing close games. That that's a good football team. Well, they're at home. They get Dallas. And as we speak doing this, the Vikings are a home underdog. Just by points, basically a pick 'em game. Yeah. But Dallas is favored, which is interesting. Coming out the way Dallas looked at Green Bay last mm-hmm. week, leading to a lot of questions. Can the Cowboys win it all, win big with Dak Prescott? Heck, even Jerry Jones right. is 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 sort of fanning the flames by casting doubts or questions about whether or not Dak's the guy. I think I think they can, but I don't think they're going to win it like throwing it 100% on Dak's shoulders and say, "Hey, go take us to the promised land." I think they got to be a good, balanced football team. I mean, that's that's what they've got to be able to do. And I think that you know they are America's team, and you know they get they get caught up in being fancy and all that kind of stuff. But they've got to get to the point where it's not about being fancy; it's about being gritty. Like you got to be gritty, man. You got to you got to do the dirty work. And when they embrace that, they're a pretty damn good football team. But when they don't. And it's almost like it's almost like Jerry doesn't want to be gritty. He wants to be pretty. Right? I'd rather be gritty than pretty. I'm both. Now that I think about it. Both gritty and pretty. I got it all. Anyhow, um, you more gritty. Like you <laughs> Yeah, I'm more gritty. You're more gritty. I'm more gritty than pretty. You're you are yeah, you're more gritty. Yeah. Gritty. Um Gee, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh yeah, I like pretty don't you know what pretty doesn't pretty looks good in the regular season. You know what pretty doesn't get you? Good home cooked meal, <laughs> right? Pr- gritty or pretty doesn't gritty gets you that. Like I want gritty, not pretty. And you know, I mean, that's I think that's they get caught up in that sometimes with their white jerseys and their stars on the helmet and their you know unique you know, unique kind of bluish silver whatever whatever you call that. It's not pewter. It's like they're just, they but just, you could, but I, I guess I could understand why you you think about glitz or you think about pretty, you think about flashy, because as much as, and I, I think I'm speaking for the rest of America here when I say, as much as we gag on the whole idea of the Cowboys and America's team, and the Cowboys are shoved down our throats, and why are they constantly on national television despite the fact they haven't done anything right. of relevance in the playoffs for two decades plus? Yet I, I just saw a story this week. The top two rated NFL games of the year yeah. are both Cowboy games. Of course, the they Cowboy are. Packer game just th- this past week, and then the one before that was Cowboys Bengals. And they're shaping up. They can't wait. They're salivating over what is going to be the number on Thanksgiving Day when it's Cowboys Giants. Dude, it, they you rate. Want, you want to talk about moving the needle because the Giants are going to. I mean, the Giants in New York. Kidding me in that market. The Cowboys in every market. Cowboys, like, there's a reason that on all the national television shows, and I did, you know, I did the national studio shows for 20 years at ESPN or 16 years at ESPN and then several years at Fox before I, I went to full-time games. Shoot, every rundown has a Cowboys segment, a, a couple of Cowboys segments in it. You can't go an entire show without talking about the Cowboys, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, because they move the needle. Say what you will, they, they either... Like, you either hate them or you love them, but you got an opinion about them. And they, they, they know it. 
staying in the NFC East. Okay. Eagles. Eagles dropped their first game. Eagles. There will be no undefeated season. The surviving members of the 1972 Dolphins, once again, raising champagne glasses. Mm-hmm. Are you in the Are you in the school of of thought that a loss isn't necessarily a bad thing? That would you really want the added bullseye of of being an undefeated team and trying to go through as you go deeper and deeper into the season and the spotlight gets brighter and brighter? I know you played on a team that I think got to eleven and zero at yeah. one point. Yeah, eleven and zero and thirteen and zero. Thirteen and zero. So when you Washington eleven and zero, Denver thirteen. Okay, so when you look back on it, is being undefeated all it's cracked up to be, or is there some benefit in getting that that loss out of the way? Well, there's always benefit in a loss because it's an opportunity to learn. I mean, think about yourself in, in just in general. I really rarely ever re- like really ever rarely learned really valuable lessons in my life when I was winning. Because normally I'm just too busy patting myself on the back for what a great job I did. And when you really learn valuable lessons when you're getting your ass kicked. And that's just life. In general. Football is no different than life. It's just part of it. And what happens to you when you're winning? There's several things that happen to you when you're winning a lot. One, it throws you out of your routine. Why? Because every time your phone rings, it's somebody asking, can you go undefeated? How's this run going? You guys are dominating. Can you go undefeated? Your schedule's soft. Da, 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 da. And then the national media starts showing up. And now all of a sudden, what was your sanctuary, your locker room, you got to hide during lunch. You can't go in there and shoot the crap with your buddies and talk about whatever and, and talk about certain plays that you like or you dislike or, man, I'm not, I'm just, I just don't feel this play. Like, and then you can say, well, you know, what you should, the way I think about this that's really helped me out. You have those conversations. You know, you're putting on your sweats or whatever. You're putting your, you're putting your uniform, whatever. They're all standing there hovering over you like a bunch of vultures. And so you're just like, man, I got to get out of here. So one guy goes to the weight room. One guy goes to the training room. One guy goes over to the equipment room, right? And so you're all in these different factions because they, they basically take up your space. And like losing after 13-0, the most satisfying thing is we got our facility back. Oh, everybody's, yeah, all of a sudden we're, yesterday's news, right? right? Right, Bob Ryan from, you know, and, and you know, all these guys that just all of a sudden start hovering. Peter King no longer is there. Bob Ryan's no longer there. You know, you're not getting requests from Sunday Night Football or Monday Night, like, right. like everybody's just gone all of a sudden. So you got your, the semblance of normalcy back. The other thing is, is it's really hard to coach your players when you're winning everything. Because you're like, hey, man, this holding call is going to get, like, we can't afford this technique in this situation against a good team. Yeah, coach, I, I know. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'll take that on. under advisement, coach. Yeah. yeah. But all of a sudden, yeah, that thing that creeped itself up yep. three three games in a row that all of a sudden is is you didn't lose any of those games, now all of a sudden go, how many times, how many weeks in a row have I told you this? How many times? And you keep doing it, and it cost us. That cost us a touchdown. And you know what? It'll cost us a chance in the playoffs if you don't clean this crap up. Like, you can't do that when you've got an eight-game win streak going. It doesn't resonate. It doesn't sit with the players. So, yes, losing a game can be very valuable. And I don't know if you've watched any of the Kelsey's podcast, 
Travis and Jason, but I I think Travis asked Jason about, you know, the referee and goes, whoa, 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 stop right there. Refs don't decide games. We decide games. We we got our ass kicked. We didn't play well enough. I, I appreciate that because that I you know, that's such a loser's lament and and you know, such a fandom thing. Oh, we lost the game because the ref screwed us out of that one play. What it's not a it's not a game play. It's four quarters. Each team gets about 65, 70 plays. Like it's not one you didn't get screwed for one play. There's a bunch of plays you left on the field that you didn't make. It's only one game, but Jeff Saturday and Jim Ursay. Undefeated. Think they're, they're going to get the last laugh in all this? Boy, what? how about the reaction? And Bill Cower. Yeah. Bill Cower just went scorched earth on the Colts and Saturday and Ursay, saying that this was an embarrassment to the coaching profession. The idea that guys, coaches who've put in the work and have had to wait their turn – just just had to watch as Jeff Saturday just lapped the line and, and jumped ahead and got a chance to coach. What'd you make of all that? Um I understand I understand I understand where he's coming from because there's been a history of you know of of grinding through before you get your opportunity. You know, so and, and Bill Cower played. Bill Cower was a special teams player for the Browns and he played for, you know, he played for a number of years. But here's my thought process, because most coaches never did. Most coaches were never good enough to play in the NFL. Like why? Why do we discount Jeff Saturday's experience? Why do we discount showing up for 14 straight seasons, going to multiple Pro Bowls, and winning championships? Why do we discount that? Like I, I guarantee you, what what most coaches in their experience, playing hurt, being injured, going out there when you're less than 50 percent. Hell, I had a surgery on a Sunday night and rolled into Monday night football and played the game and won 27 nothing off the operating table. Had surgery on Monday, played on Sunday multiple times. You haven't experienced that. You don't know what that feels like. You haven't done that because you don't have the balls to do that. So I don't know why we discount Jeff Saturday's experience because he hasn't gone through the proper channels. Dude, his experience resonates with players. Here's the first thing that you can tell resonated with the players. He walked in, and I talked to Jeff Saturday because he's a good buddy of mine. He walked into that facility and said, this baloney with Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan is not washed. Matt Ryan can play. Matt Ryan needs to be supported. We need to run the ball. We need to set an, a, an agenda. We need to establish an identity, and we need to play off of that identity. They had a first-time play caller. He's 30 years old. Never called plays before. They look pretty good to me. But Jeff Saturday, that, that head coaching job is about leading men and having a philosophy and saying this is what we are and this is what we do. And that's what he went in there and did that. And the first credibility is, you know, when you're sitting in a locker room and you know as a player who can play and who can't, and you look at Matt Ryan who busted his ass, took it in the teeth. I mean, he just was getting pummeled, right? And getting up every time, you've got nothing but respect for that guy. Even though he can't run like he used to and stuff, he can still orchestrate an offense. He can still throw it. And the perception is, well, they benched him because they don't want to pay all the bonus money. And Jeff Saturday walks in there and goes, baloney, I don't care about bonus money. I care about players. And my guy's going to play. Instant credibility in that locker room. Does a coach that's that, that, that's promoted from within 
and the organization has already told you we're not going to play Matt Ryan because we don't want to pay him, does he have that? Does he have the sack to do that? Probably not. So you're going to get the same damn thing you got from from your players, you know. And, and the perception was my players have kind of rolled over. They're they're kind of independent contractors right now. Jeff Saturday came in there and bonded them together. So I don't know that I don't know that a coach has gone through the ranks that nobody knows is going to get that same buy-in. So is do you think the reaction from the coaching profession is that is that this sort of almost exposes the the myth that hey man football is such a complicated game I mean it's so complex there's so much in X's and O's so much work has to be done there's a reason why we sleep on our couches at the facility and never go see our family and that this sort of almost blows that myth out of the water that a guy can come in literally off the studio. Uh, desk mm-hmm. and walk in there and and be able to coach and coach effectively and have his, his finger on the pulse of what's going on with the team is is that what we're getting here is that wow what I, I thought I was putting on all this work because this is what I needed to do to get to where I ultimately want to be is is this all a charade a charade right I uh, listen man Jeff's a worker so I don't have any doubt that he is that he is working I, I think one thing that but it's more from the guys that. Yeah, Bill Cowers rep, uh, trying to uh, respond, resp- uh, re- reflect and represent here. Yeah. yeah, the the idea that hey, wait a minute, you know, there's a reason these guys put the the work in. It's that demanding of a job, and therefore they're the ones that should get rewarded. Right. But I, maybe it isn't that hard. Well, no, I think it. I still think it's hard, but I think there's a lot of inefficiencies in the coaching profession. I think there's a lot of busy work. I think there's a lot of meeting for the sake of meeting. You know, and and that's one thing the players always get, like, you would spend three hours as a coaching staff arguing over whether to call something zip or zoom motion, right? You're like, who gives a rip? Name it. It's called Zaw. I don't care, right? And so there's a lot of those, there's a lot of those you know, arguments that happen that they'll be in there for an hour and a half discussing that. Like a former player would be like, dude, name it, let's move on. I don't care. And so I think there's a lot of that, the inefficiency stuff that goes on. And I think there's a lot of that, well, everybody else is staying until 11, so we have to stay till, oh, wait, 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 wait. They stay till one, maybe we better stay till one. Uh, that, that, it doesn't, if you get your work done, who cares? And if your guys are coached up in the nuance of football, like that's, that to me is, that to me is the difference. And one thing a player knows, like one thing, I, I've, I've coached coaches my whole career. I'm going to tell you why I understand what you're trying to do, but why that doesn't work. And say, from a player's perspective, let me tell you what, what the issue is with that. And a lot of times coaches will go, oh, shoot, I never thought about it that way. Yeah, because I'm the one that's executing it. You're the one that's just drawing it on a grease board. The game is not played on a grease board. It's played on a football field. So real quick before we uh, get out of here, for the mm-hmm. week, uh, congratulations on the uh, storied rivalry that you're going to get a chance to call this oh, week, yeah. the Broncos and the Raiders, which uh, has so many great names down through the years from Madden to mm-hmm. Belitnikoff to Stabler to Elway to mm-hmm. Schlereth. Yeah. And yeah, it's Schlereth. When, when asked about the game this week, Broncos coach Nathaniel Hackett, summing up the 3-6 and six Broncos versus the 2-7 and seven Raiders, he said, well, Somebody's got to win. <laughs> well, actually, I've watched both of your. I've watched your film, both of you guys, and uh, 
That's not necessarily true. You could end in a you can end in a zero zero tie. The way you guys are playing right now. Um yeah, it's a it's a real mess. It is a real mess. And I truly believe, you know, there was a lot of speculation on Josh McDaniels, but a lot of that speculation has been blown out of the water. I mean, he got the yard of vote of confidence, but there have been reports out there that the Raiders aren't flush with cash. They're still paying John Gruden and his staff. Now they got to pay this. They really can't afford to fire, you know, Josh McDaniels. And listen, Josh McDaniels is a hell of a coach. He really he really knows football. Um, you know, I, I, I think in the past it's been the – personal skills that that have you know have really been his major bugaboo like bear traps well lipstick so, meat pig yeah good luck with that yeah but listen man i you know this seriously could be the end of nathaniel hackett and he's a friend of mine and i don't want him to get fired mike but this could be the end if they don't perform if they if they hang another nine point stinker out there i i, I truly think they're going to make a move I don't know that, but that's just my gut telling me that. And I'm sure your gut would tell you kind of the same thing, being a Denver resident here. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, that's going to be, boy, you're going to have a bloodthirsty crowd showing yes, up you, for that one. Yeah, you that will. will not be suffering any fools. Yeah. Hey, for Mike, I'm Mark from Millennium Band. We thank you for listening to the show. Uh, make sure you uh, share it with your buddies. And uh, thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers.